thoughts and prayers welcome welcome and welcome back q from your relaxing birthday getaway are you gonna make fun of me because i wasn't off twitter as much as i said i was gonna be (laughs) you did say you deleted it from your phone but then i I re-downloaded it like three or four times (laughs) like a crack addict (laughs) But I will say on my actual birth, like on, well, I'm actually, I'm trying to keep my birthday a little vague. I will say that on two of the days of my birthday getaway, I, uh, I didn't, um, I, I like was on Twitter for less than an hour, which I think is like, that's something. It's something I would argue. I, I think like spending less than an hour on a site that I sometimes spend as much as three or four hours on a day is a step down. So. Yeah. And where it looked like you were in some kind of spooky haunted town. You couldn't have looked more disdainful of my accomplishment. <laughs> Your face was like. I mean, I, you know. It's uh yeah. Proud it's of you. Fine. I I need to I I need to accept my uh I need to accept my my flaws. Um yeah, I was somewhere I guess I, I don't care since I'm away from it now, I don't care about saying where I was. Not that like people are like rushing to um access or anything, but I was in Cape May. It was it's like a I don't know. It's like a resort town in New Jersey with lots of Victorians that are like preserved. Um, It's right by the beach. I spent some time there this summer. So it was cute. Nice. Would you, are you off for indigenous people's day? (laughs) No, I'm actually technically on the clock right now. Damn. Your company's so woke. They make you do sexual harassment trainings like, once a week. I can't believe they wouldn't give you off for Indigenous People's Day. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe I should try to cancel them and squeeze another three-day weekend out of them. Yeah, I really think they should honor honor this important... I guess you don't respect Indigenous Peoples. It's the most ridiculous, clunky name. It's absurd. I know. On this podcast, we also like have trouble defining indigenous peoples. We've gone, <laughs> over, we've gone over that before. That we don't quite understand what it means in the way it's used now. Besides, not white, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it just means like descendants of the people that we slaughtered or and or confined to various um reservations and when i but yeah even when i say we it's not like i did that i mean no our families probably didn't even come over until after that had like essentially happened you know right well yeah i have some like mayflower tier family but only on one side the other side is like 
European Jews who came in like 50 years ago or whatever. So. Well, maybe you should have to work then for at least that one side. Um, and the rest I'll, of us. I'll work a half day. The rest of us can get get off. Yeah, I I got in a Twitter beef last week, which made me feel like I needed to take a break uh, with someone who is like claiming descendants from Irish kings or something. Um, and I do have, I guess, a lot of Irish in me, according to 23andMe, which I, I don't actually even know what that means because I um, I don't understand what the 23andMe <laughs> is measuring, especially since I keep pointing out that we're all from Africa, according to the current you know, like way it's supposed to have worked. So wouldn't we all just have African blood, but whatever. Anyway, I went back and forth with him a lot and I was just like, I I can't, I don't, I actually don't think there's anything cringe, cringier than claiming like outwardly some sort of like aristocratic ancestry in like a proud way. If you're not like really truly still like an aristocrat of some kind. Yeah. It makes no sense. Like, okay, cool. Like your family used to be Kings. You would yeah, now know you're probably masturbating in your basement, you know? Yeah. And then he like came at me with like this like final thing. He was like, if you were really Irish, most of the Irish know that, that which King Dakota they're just, they're descended from because most of them are descended from those Kings. And I was like, wait, so it's not special at all. <laughs> like every Irish person is descended from this, these people, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what you get when you get into Twitter beefs with like random schizo lobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't do any of that on my birthday weekend and I did have some thankful moments I'm thankful to be old I'm <laughs> thankful to like in the sense of like you know I was I'm being I'm being genuine for a second not everyone I, I not everyone I know has made it to 35 <laughs> which I don't know what that says besides just that you know life is unpredictable so I was you know I was thankful for that and I had a good time with my partner and all that. Um, but of course, the world couldn't keep it together. And uh, the Palestinians had to, I don't they, know. They did a 9-11. They did. Yeah, they went and they... Um, I actually, I actually don't think we should get too, <laughs> too into this. Because I, 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 every time I talk about it, I feel really stupid. <laughs> because I don't know enough about it to have an informed opinion. And I, I kind of almost don't think anyone does. Maybe you feel like you do, but. I mean, I feel like I have as informed an opinion that I need to, as I need to have, which is like, there's some fake globalist. It's a casus belly for, you know, some kind of, escalation in the conflict between israel israel and palestine beyond that i don't know i, I don't have any real knowledge. i mean my immediate read on it is what my immediate read is on any conflict like this and that it's like actually just some sort of like united states like proxy war thing with like iran and whatever was whatever's going on is just 
you know, the U.S. in some weird way meddling <laughs> in some shadowy way to get some get, to get some sort of advantage for themselves, and and who knows what that. And by the U.S., I'm not, I mean not like average U.S. citizens. I mean like scary elite people in the government. You know, right, right. And you can see, I mean. You can just look at whatever the kind of mainstream talking heads are saying about it, and then you get at least what the narrative is doing, you know? Um, Yeah, I just find, I guess I just find it all so distasteful and exhausting. And I was happy to miss like the prime essentially miss the prime day on Twitter when people were first throwing out their takes. I also find it so sad when gay guys, like gay quote unquote, home hom- like conservatives, homocons jump in on the side of Israel and say something like, you know, I went to, it's always rich white gay guys. I went to Tel Aviv with my husband and we were, we were treated so well and, partied at the gay clubs and like if we were in a theocratic islamic country we would have been you know thrown off a roof um (laughs) but it's like conservative jewish people don't like you either you know yeah yeah basically Uh no religion likes gay people they need to accept that (laughs) 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 yeah and it's just yeah I, i mean you see it's like another thing that fractures the dissident circles or whatever you know it works on that level too like some of the the like based jewish accounts that i i actually don't even really follow them but that that show up on my feed like that sarah beth berwick lady you know she was like and i actually like her um and she was like really good on covid stuff and she was actually like pretty red pilled for like uh just suburban mom or whatever but then something like this happens and she's, you know, talking about if you're trying to both sides this issue, you just don't understand. Like they Palestine will not rest until Israel is wiped off the face of the earth and blah, blah. It's just like, come on. Haven't we haven't we seen enough to understand that, you know. Nothing makes me feel like Holocaust deniers have something going for them more than when like some Jewish person who has no connection to Israel throws out the Holocaust as an excuse to support Israel. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And it's all part of the same thing. Um, So, yeah, but yeah. And then Ben, you know, Ben Shapiro of course is out here talking about Israel and all this shit. It's just, it it is what it, I mean, Israel, I think it's not, Israel is not like a good, I mean, they're just a NATO puppet regime, globalist, blah, blah, blah. It's all the same thing. They're nothing special about them. They don't even really, there's a lot of Jews who are anti-Israel or whatever, you know. But they just, I I think people just don't want to, don't realize that Israel is us and us, as in us, it's like, NATO, which is essentially the U.S., you know, that's like, that's all it is, you know? Right. Right. And the Palestinians are just sort of 
I don't know. But then at the same time, I like saw these like protesters, like these pro-Palestinian protesters in New York. And I I hated looking at them. They're disgusting. Like just vibe. Like they just had like aesthetically disgusting vibes to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. No, and I'm not really like pro-Palestine either. I mean, I I'm anti killing, I guess, you know, I don't support violence, I guess. Uh, on both sides. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not going to solve it. Um, I doubt they're going to solve it. They're just going to use it as an excuse to like send more U.S. tax dollars there and buy more weapons and blow each other up more. So I don't really think there's like a good guy or a bad guy. It just kind of is what it is. And yeah. Yeah. The takes I thought were the most it's hard to say what's the most cringe take in all this because it's just, there's so much, but um, the most, maybe truly the takes that took the cake for me were the Americans who were like, yeah, if native Americans started doing this to us as settlers, I would support them. I would think that that was a good thing. Um, And I'm like, you actually would support Native Americans arming themselves and beginning to mow down (laughs) um, white Americans, like your kids, your parents, you, you would, you would support that. That would be something you would support. And then ask them what they think about the militia movement that does exist here. (laughs) Right. That actually is attempting to have some sort of defense against it. It's just, I, I just don't, to me, at the end of the day, like, you, it, I don't understand a politics that, this is, like, one of the problems I have with, like, the current kind of liberal, like, white racial politics in this country is that, like, I don't understand a politics where your, you, your own physical body and your family are not, like, primary, primary, your primary safety (laughs) concern, you know, like what political agenda could like possibly erase that very primal, you know? Right. Like, yeah, basically like these libs or whatever, if you're, if they're white, you know, it's like almost saying that they deserve to die and like, (laughs) yeah, they should be genocided or whatever for equality. And their kids deserve to die, and like it, it would be a it would be a good thing if like that happened. Um, but yeah, I missed most of that. I saw a lot of the snuff film, you know, stuff last week, which was like another thing that I I actually now agree with KB that it seems fake because anything that's filmed in like a night vision camera with like a perfect view of you know, like, I think someone maybe really died. I'm just saying that, like, somehow there's there's something about it that just doesn't feel right, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, why, like, how is it so well captured? The guy who got stabbed in New York or whatever. Yeah, and it's, yeah. like, it's, it's so well captured, and it's, like, the sides are so, like, it's, like, a black teen, a black 18 year old who looks like a baby faced kid. And it's like a liberal activist who like the two of them look like actually like actors of liberal activists. Like she has like short bangs. She's like a Latina with like short bangs and 
tattoos and like a septum piercing and he's like a white dude and you know uh-huh and it's, it's so look- funny it's every fucking time too the the non-white kill whitey progressive dating a white guy <laughs> yeah totally and she's in there like and they're like randomly in this bad part of new york at four in the morning sitting on a bus stop which no which no pe- i just n- anyone with any sense in their mind would not be doing that you know Right. Well, and then it was like this crazy, clearly like drugged out or whatever kind of black guy just running down the street, like shouting. And then the guy, the white guy who's, you know, and again, it's just the narrative lines up so perfectly. This liberal activist, whatever crime reform activist or something starts like chasing after the crazy screaming drugged out dude to what? I don't even know, like get him mental health services or something <laughs> i know it's and just and then he gets shanked then the grifters start and then like there was that gofundme where like all the quote-unquote f- his friends were like we are a working class collective that need time to mourn so we need all this money to have time off from our jobs to mourn yeah i saw that for like working class people or whatever and yeah. I'm guessing his friends aren't predominantly working class, but whatever. Um, that yeah. definition has been stretched so far. None of them seem working class from what I think of as working class. Um, and again, I don't mean to be, I'm not, it's bad that someone died. I feel horrible for his loved ones and everything. Um, you know, not trying to make light of it, but yeah, I don't know. These things are just so ridiculous it's ridiculous that it's on twitter this video that everyone can see like showing you someone getting stabbed like it's all just disgusting it's just toxic shit and that the the demon app i really do kind of feel that way i've been been leaning out of twitter a little bit lately it is demonic and i can't believe and it's gonna be a good segue into what we're talking about today anyway but i can't believe that like I like a tweet where I say the word faggot gets like immediately flagged and blocked and it has like a crazy warning on it. But like this week I've been able to scroll through Twitter and with no warning, nothing. I see like snuff films. I see like dead bodies getting pissed on. I see like, like, you know what I mean? Like it just like, it's just like flashing like into my screen. Like I don't even have to click on anything to see this shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's absurd. It makes no sense. The censorship regime is, is makes no sense from a standpoint of like safety or whatever. It's clearly um, just about restricting speech in terms of um, like, you know, critical of, of the regime or whatever. And it's it's stuff like this that makes it completely obvious where like if anything should be censored it's a video of someone getting stabbed you know yeah or a video of like militants in a war dead in the street like that should be you should have a choice whether you're going to view that or not probably right right i mean you can you can literally get banned for saying faggot i know (laughs) you definitely can for saying the n-word um but you cannot for uh, posting videos of also just like the is the Israel stuff. The last thing I'm going to say before we get into our 
well, who knows, whatever. It's our podcast. We can talk about whatever the fuck we want. I don't have to keep saying the last thing I'm going to say. Um, I just feel like it got so, like, psychosexual politics so fast. Like, all the obsession with, like, the Arabs raping Jewish women thing. It just got, like, so quickly, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's war propaganda. That's what, the same shit that you saw with at the beginning of Ukraine with all the atrocities being committed by the Russians and blah, blah, blah. Like, did you see this? I sent this to the other legitimate faggot chat because it seemed like too much for ours, but I'll show it to you. Um, (laughs) This is so fake. Oh, my God. Do you see it? Well, I can't. I see. Oh, my God. Yeah. The woman's butt says IDF. (laughs) And his uh, outfit says Hamas. Hamas, yeah. Um, And it doesn't even look. In English. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's like a from a uh it's it sounds like a from a pornographic it looks like it's from a pornographic site. There's no there's no no part of me believes that this is like a war authentic like war zone footage. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. To I guess to give a visual description, it's a a Indian looking dude, I guess Arab, I don't know. I mean, whatever. He's brown. He's holding, he's, he has Hamas written across his chest and he's holding what looks like a white woman. And all you see is her butt and it says I, IDF Jew or something on her butt. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's written in English and neither Hamas nor Israel, you know, speaks or writes in English. So. <laughs> it's just so stupid like it is so stupid i did see people making jokes that uh because med gold i guess is banned again and they were like found med gold because like the rumors are that he's indian you know (laughs) um he blocked me and then unblocked me this week so that's my like twitter fun of the week and then got banned and then got banned (laughs) probably because he's a horny wop with no standards for (laughs) how to act in civilized society um well i guess let's move on into the um let's move on into the the main topic today which is satanism um so and I'll save this thing I was going to bring up to you till like the very last second. Um, Cause I think it's funny. You'll think it's funny. Um, but a and I watched Rosemary's baby and I read some of Marina Abramovich's book. Um, and we're, we're in a Hoffman, Michael Hoffman reading group. So we were thinking about, we've been thinking a lot about revelation of the method and things like that. Um, and Rosemary's baby is mentioned in the book as it's also uh, heavily mentioned in McGowan's uh, program to kill too. So, oh, interesting! I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's a pretty thematically. Um, it's mentioned a lot for obvious reasons. Uh, I I want to take. I would like to take the listeners through kind of a blow by blow of it. But had you seen it before? No, it was my first time. Okay, what did you, I'd I'd love your initial reactions before we kind of w- walk through the movie. Um, yeah, well, I kept thinking of it in terms of, like, um, Obama's, like, birth story. <laughs> okay, say more. <laughs> no. 
I mean, I'm just, I just thought it was funny because like people used to say he was like the antichrist or whatever. That was like the, the kind of boomer con like take on Obama. And there'd be mm. all those like devil pictures of him and stuff. But, um, but, and I guess he was actually born around that time, but we don't need to get into <laughs> that. But, um, <laughs> but no, I, I thought it was, I mean, a great, um, movie. I, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe we can get into this later, but, um, I, I just kept thinking about like, po- uh, Roman Polanski was the director and I just kept thinking about his own life and like how he had some kind of, I mean, his whole life story kind of is bizarre and, and doesn't really make sense. Um, but like how he, I guess, I mean, he was like a, he fled the Holocaust cause he's Jewish. Right. Um, um, a lot, it seemed like a lot of the characters in the film were Jewish as well. Um, like the Definitely. doctor Saperstein or whatever, um, the Satanist doctor. Um, uh, so he fled the Holocaust, came to the United States and became a successful Hollywood film director um his wife one of his i think he was married multiple times but um i guess supposedly the love of his life sharon tate is murdered while she's pregnant with his child and um I in a ritualistic in, in a receipt and then that's kind of, i guess the mcgowan take there is that the manson family was sort of a cover for like yeah like satanic um ritual um sacrifice and that yeah the well sacrifice- not to mention i mean to, like because i've read both chaos which also mentioned last night in his space i've read chaos and program to kill um which both heavily focus on the manson family but sharon tate and abigail folger and the other people that were murdered in the house were also like or it's it's pretty substantiated it's always been a rumor but it's pretty substantiated that they were deeply in and roman plansky yeah they themselves were occultists yeah right they were involved in like the process church and things like that in the in california in the 60s which again it's like you know it's easy to write off with as all these things are because it was the 60s and people were taking a lot of drugs and you know like Mm -hmm. people probably did get involved in some weird shit but they were definitely involved in some like occult stuff too yeah and so yeah polanski's wife and baby ritually murdered satanic murder ritual whatever um and then a while later in the 70s he gets um accused of pedophilia and run out of basically that whole thing is weird but again because it's like okay literally pretty much everyone in hollywood is a pedophile you know sex criminal i mean that's kind of part of the whole deal again with this the the satanism or whatever um so you have to look and actually i want to add in some like if you don't mind i want to add in some mcgowan-esque details because i think for our listeners they're very interesting the girl that he raped samantha gamer who was 13 at the time so he he definitely did everything that 
is claimed of him. It's like, it's like, and he photographed her. You can see these photographs online. (laughs) It's, it's, it's just true. Um, and, um, they were at Angelica Houston's house or no, they were at, who was Angelica? They were at, um, what's his name? The guy who was in the shining, another satanic movie. What's that actor's name? He's really famous. Uh, Oh yeah. What? Oh, he's so famous. Jack, Jack Nicholson. Right. So they were at Jack Nicholson's house who was dating Angelica Houston at the time, who was at the house at the time this happened. Um, and Roman Polanski had been staying there and her own, it just has all this parallels to shit that happens today. Samantha Geimer's own mother had dropped her off to do this photo shoot alone with Roman Polanski. So her 13 year old daughter is being dropped off alone to hang out with a 30 something year old man. Right. Um, At this other celebrity's house. And so, you know, it must've all just seemed very normal. You know what I'm saying? Like, Right. And I just want to mention that like Jack Nicholson also has performed in a lot of movies that are kind of like Rosemary's Baby, most famously The Shining. Angelica Houston is from a weird like long lineage of showbiz family, grew up in a castle in like the country of Ireland, like all that. Anyway, there's just all this weird. They're all just... uh, they all just seem like sick freaks. You know what I mean? And I just, I just find that I just find it incredulous that like, you know, Jack Nicholson and Angelica Houston, like had no idea what type of person Roman Plansky was. And he just managed to do this awful thing with no one. No, it doesn't make any sense, you know? And then when he, when he gets arrested for the, the transcript of his arrest for the rape is kind of incredible because he clearly has no, or he's acting as if he has no understanding that he could have broken a law. (laughs) Like he's like saying like stuff like, well, she was willing and blah, blah, blah. Like seems to have no, in the transcript of the arrest, seems to have no idea what, um, like that being, that her being 13 in and of itself could be a punishable offense. And then like in this documentary, I watched about it, um, I got really into this whole thing, but in this documentary I watched about it, the police officer is like, most of the of- officers felt really uncomfortable with the prosecuting this case because many of them were sleeping with teenage girls at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's just like, you just kind of start to realize you're like, wow, it's like all these people in this place in LA are all doing this sick shit. And it's anyway, so. Well, and I, I like, I, I really mean that somewhat seriously i mean i mean that, it seriously yeah, yeah that it, it it is par for the course this this pedophilia shit i mean and that it, it is almost like with the epstein shit like it's it's um a way it works on many levels but one is sort of it initiates people into this in group through shared practice of this taboo act right so you you know that you're you're not gonna rat out all the other people if you've done it too. You know what I mean? It's kind of this right. Thing. And that was that was the point I was trying to make with the Polanski transcript of when he got arrested. Is like it almost reads like someone who is kind of saying exactly what you're saying to these police officers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I getting 
taken down when right well and that and that's the the whole thing is just weird it's like if you look at these events it, it there's little things that just set off like red flags right like and then the other thing being so i guess he found out that the judge in his case was going to you know whatever give him like some mild sentence probation or something and he was like fine whatever i'll do it then somehow he got tipped off that the judge had changed his mind and wasn't going to do that. So he got this first, he was going to get the light treatment. Second, he the judge changed his mind and he somehow finds out about this. And then third, he has the opportunity in the midst of all this criminal, you know, public criminal case to flee the country. So he flees the country and he spent the rest of his life in Europe. So the whole thing is just weird. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. And given the, you know, the background with Sharon Tate and that whole thing and the Manson family and their involvement in the occult, it's, you know. Yeah. Not to mention that like a big thing that's mentioned in both McGowan, I, I think it doesn't come up in Hoffman because Hoffman only mentions it Rosemary's baby very briefly, but a big thing that's mentioned in both McGowan's book and Chaos. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the author now, but you guys, if a, a bunch of you have probably read Chaos of the people who listen to this pod. But um, a big thing that's mentioned is that um, Polanski and Tate, you know, were said to have had like a huge collection of like child pornography, like in the house at the time of her murder. So there was also this kind of like other element of it that like, you know, and then there's this really eerie part in McGowan's book where this guy encounters Abigail Folger, who was an heiress, Sharon Tate and the other people who were kind of all hanging out at this house. Um, and he says that you can just, he said just being around them, you could tell that there was just like this like sinister, evil, drugged out <laughs> element to the whole vibe. Which, I mean, again, it's like, again, it's easy to write off. It was 1969 in Los Angeles. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people were doing shit like that, but. Yeah, but but the the Satanism occult shit was very much wrapped up in that culture, too. I mean, of course, and not to mention Mia Farrow's life, who's the lead yeah, actress of this movie. Right, <laughs> if you want to get into another weird element of this movie, right. Mia Farrow is the lead actress who was definitely a 60s counterculture figure, famously went to India to like an ashram with the Beatles for months. The song Dear Prudence is written about her sister and the, you know, all the shit the Beatles were involved in. And then she later in her life, after adopting many, many, many third world <laughs> children and moving them to the US and abusing them for years, by all accounts, um, is involved in another massive pedophile scandal involving her then partner, Woody Allen. So Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, we, we'll just address that background on Roman Polanski um, right at the beginning. But I think it actually makes sense. It provides some helpful context, I guess, for this film. Um, but how crazy, I mean, think about how crazy that is. Like Mia Farrow and Roman Polanski, ostensibly just two random colleagues, mm-hmm. let's call them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Both having this level of 
pedophilic controversy in their lives. And I understand, like, I, I understand that, you know, child molestation is unfortunately deeply common. But it's happened. not that common. It's not like that common. <laughs> it's not that common. And I think most of the time when it happened, yeah, anyway, it's not common in the way of their their situations. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but I do obviously know people who have suffered child abuse to varying degrees, but I don't know anyone. Uh, I know very few people who's like the level of stuff that, happened in these people's lives <laughs> you know what i mean um so i don't know i don't know one with the level of stuff that happened in these people's lives right and i mean uh, yeah we don't even need to get into it but it's clearly just a very pervasive issue in hollywood whether you want to attribute it to satanism or or some kind of other thing what i don't know but i think the fact yeah. that that uh you know, pedophilia and child sex abuse in Hollywood is rampant, is very well established. Um, yes. Um, also, shout out to reading both Program to Kill and Chaos if you want like a super deep dive, bigger than a A and I can do just in the moment there. Um, okay, so Rosemary's Baby uh, does come up in Hoffman's book too. It came out in 1968. Um, but it takes place in 1966. Correct. Um, and it's, it's a, I think it's, I also agree that it's an incredible movie, like the visual experience of watching it. Um, so we'll just go through bits by bits, but basically, uh, Rosemary is the main character and her husband, Guy Woodhouse move into, um, this building that's called the Bramford, but it's actually the Dakota in New York where John Lennon was murdered. <laughs> so just also they're, they're also in a arguably ritualistic. Manner. Right. That's why I'm laughing. Cause yeah. it's like, he's murdered with yeah. someone who has catcher in the rye in his pocket. And there's this, all this any lore around it and weird. Bull- yeah. So, but that building is famous as is mentioned in the movie is kind of famous for weird stuff. Um, And it looks weird. It looks satanic as fuck. I've stood right in front of it many times. It has all these gargoyles and shit all over it. Um, Anyway, they move into it um, and he's sort of like a fledgling actor. And I guess she's a housewife. Um, And as they're moving in their former, landlord named hutch gives them these warnings about the the dakota or not the dakota the bramford as it's called in the movie saying that there was yeah murders that happened there or whatever yeah all the witches that live there too yeah witches the trench sisters who like ate these little kids um all this stuff. And he actually mentions in his little speech, he mentions Anton LaVey, um, who was the head of the church of Satan <laughs> at the time, um, literally in the sixties. So I think it's just interesting that that get, they threw that in there. They threw in one real, you know, mm-hmm. um, satanic type thing. Anyway, she quickly in the basement meets a woman named Cherry, uh, Terry Gianofrio, who's a recovering drug addict living with 
Minnie and Roman Castavet. They're the Woodhouse's elderly neighbors. And um, I thought it was interesting that, yeah, one of these um, old people, basically kind of one, one of the main characters, the main characters aside from Rosemary and her husband, um, one of them is named, the man is named Roman. <laughs> Right. And it's interesting. I do think it's interesting, too, when you think about it, because I feel like all the characters besides Rosemary and Guy Woodhouse are very, like, elderly New York Jewish coded. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, interesting when you, like, think about a Jewish man making this movie because it, you know. Yeah, he's, like, equating the Jews with Satanists, basically. (laughs) Right. And it has, like. naming one of them after himself. (laughs) Yeah, and it has a very, like, anti-Semitic, if you want to say, like, talk, like if you want to say portraying Jewish people this way is anti-Semitic kind of overtone. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so Terry Ginofrio G- G- quickly kills herself within, like, a couple, of, within the next day after Rosemary meets her. Um, and very quickly, uh, Guy, her husband, grows after this suicide begins to grow really close with um, Minnie and Roman, uh, these, this older couple. And 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 he's a struggling guy is a struggling actor in New York, which doesn't make sense for how they afforded this like incredible apartment. But um... yeah, that's super. I mean, I guess that's kind of, it's, it's funny because I guess that that's just a constant in movies about New York, but yeah, the idea that they're going to be able to afford this amazing apartment is uh, kind of nonsensical, but I think that that's just like never going to stop being part of New York and TV movies, (laughs) you know? Um, It's like a later, I guess, somewhat explained. We'll get into it, but he, yeah, once he, once he starts cozying up to this elderly couple who lives in the building, his career makes a significant turn for the better. He, he achieves um, sudden success. Correct. Um, but yes, they are living in like a classic six with park views, which even in the sixties was a crazy impressive <laughs> thing. to. And she doesn't work. Yeah, it was crazy. They did all these like renovations on it, like right away. (laughs) Bought all new furniture and all this shit. Yeah, and they're supposed to be like a young couple, like in their twenty. I mean, he doesn't look in his twenties, but maybe maybe she's supposed to. She seems supposed to be in her twenties or so. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So after they. Well, <laughs> let's talk about a few things here. I wanted to know what you think. So after they move in and he starts having this sudden success uh, and he starts getting really close to this later, what turns out to be a Satanist couple, their relationship kind of gets on the rocks a little bit. And then one night they decide to have, um, I guess they're going to, I guess they're gonna they're gonna try to have a baby. And um he they like I just wanted to know what you thought, because this is just like now away from the Satanist stuff for a minute, but it was just cracking me up. Like their like baby making night was hilarious to me. Like well, the that's fire not away from the Satanist that was they had the whole Well no no no, but just, oh, just even before the, that. Like, Pre the like devil rape, I just yeah. thought that they're like their little setup, like they have like 
little monogram pajamas and like he starts a fire and they're drinking like craft cocktails like in front of the fire. I just thought that was really funny. I don't know. <laughs> Did does I mean like you <laughs> you don't have to answer about your personal <laughs> life. But I just thought the I I understand that it is from what I have been told by heterosexual people trying to get pregnant, it's it, the sex and during that time can be very perfunctory because you're sort of doing it for this like. Well, I can understand wanting to make it like a you know a little special or whatever. Yeah, no, it's nice. I just like I just thought it was fun. I don't know. I just the whole like they have like they have like baby making night like outfits and stuff, <laughs> and it just seemed a little silly to me. Because <laughs> again, I do know people who've tried many people at this point who have tried and had kids and they've all said that you know i guess if it doesn't happen really quickly for you the sex can start to feel sort well, of you have to keep in mind rad femme hitler's take that the baby won't be in sold unless the woman orgasms well then a lot of babies i know are not in sold because a lot of people i know had a lot of procreative sex like just a ton of it attempting to get pregnant and <laughs> it seemed like it was just as much as we can do it you know really cramming it in um but i don't know maybe anyway so i thought that was funny so then in the middle of their dinner minnie brings over um chocolate mousse which they eat and it becomes clear now at this point it becomes clear that guy her husband uh is rosemary's husband is is trying to is has joined the cult and they eat the moose and the moose makes her um you know fall asleep and then like and i actually think this is one of the most beautiful parts of the film and i'm not gonna like as someone who loves film like i'm not gonna like even though i think this movie is satanic like i'm not gonna like shy away from the parts of it that i think are incredibly well made but like her falling asleep is some of the most accurate dream filming i've ever seen in my opinion mm-hmm. um, i think the only movie that i think does just as good of a job is suspiria but her falling asleep is very much like it does feel like they p- to portray what dreams are like really well to me i don't know if you mm-hmm. felt that way um yeah well she's kind of like semi-awake during it right she's in a sort of an in-between state of like yeah but i thought they like showed that the psychological way that i thought they showed that in-between state really well i mean you smoked weed and when i smoked weed i really never dreamed but um (laughs) now i dream a lot and i felt like they portrayed that sort of like half asleep half awake like yeah oh yeah no it was it's a it's a very um well done scene so in the, yeah, in the movie, um, she gets raped by the devil by, with the cult there when she's drugged. And she wakes up and she has all these scratches all over her. And I thought this part of the movie was also kind of blown past really fast. Yeah. <laughs> her husband says that he had sex with her while she's asleep. I mean, well, I was... thought they they it was actually portrayed very well because, um, yeah, he just basically acts like, oh, yeah, my bad, babe. Like, I didn't want to waste the baby night or whatever. And she was like, well, while I was sleeping or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and she, he was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I was a little fucked up, too, or whatever. <laughs> 
I guess I just couldn't imagine a woman like blowing that off completely, but maybe I'm wrong and maybe it's the sixties or I don't know. Well, I thought she actually did a great job in that conveying, like she didn't feel good about it, you know, like she felt weird about it and hurt or whatever. Like that wasn't clearly wasn't how she wanted it to like go down, you know? Um, Yeah. Well, I guess I just point out how fast the movie blows past it because I've read the book. And in the book, this is a much more Mm. pivotal. Like, Rosemary feels so uncomfortable with this encounter that she can't really piece together in her head because she was Mm -hmm. drugged. Mm -hmm. And she, like, goes off for, like, four days and stays at a friend's house upstate, like, and tries to sort of, like, process it, you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, obviously it wasn't, dealt with in that same way but for what it's worth i i felt strongly her pain and discomfort with the situation yeah no it it was i mean she's an incredible actress it's well acted Mm -hmm. um but she kind of moves past it pretty fast because shortly after that she finds out she's pregnant which is what she really wants um And she stops seeing her regular primary care physician and starts seeing this guy named Dr. Abraham (laughs) Saperstein. Well, and and at the insistence of this elderly Satanist couple. Right. She's essentially like like seemingly forced into this new doctor arrangement by this couple. It's like she can't say no. Um, And the husband is also on board with it. And the husband's also on board. I mean, I think that the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, like, when would I start to feel really suspicious? But I have to remember, like, I'm not, like, she's, this character is not living in a horror movie, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And in real life, you do kind of constantly just like, oh, yeah. Try to rationalize things or whatever. Yeah, you rationalize things and go along with things. And they're just, this makes sense, of course. Why wouldn't we go to the better doctor? Also, does it really matter what doctor you're, you know? And and, and she does sort of, I mean, that's like her character is very sympathetic. I mean, she's and she does kind of have moments where she like snaps out of it a little bit. And she's like, this is fucking weird. Like when she. The old couple is also when she start. They make her see this Jewish doctor. They uh, they start giving her these weird vitamin drinks, and she at some point she stops taking them, and she's like, right. yeah, like realizes that something isn't is kind of fucked up or whatever. Yeah, and here's the feminist part because she uh, <laughs> there is some feminist, which I think is actually pretty also realistically. Uh, drawn but she is in an intense pain um throughout the early part of her pregnancy and loses a ton of weight and looks extremely gaunt and looks horrible which is not how um pregnant women look in my again in my experience oh of course i mean that's the whole thing it's like something it's so disturbing to see her like wasting away as she's supposed to be like birth you know you know, creating this child. Yeah. Um, do you want to, well, I guess I can, I feel like I'm taking over a little bit. So no, no, go for it. I'll just, one of the, one of the times she really kind of snaps out of it. She decides to have a party 
which I thought it was funny when she was like, this is a very special party. You have to be under 60 to get in because she's so sick of hanging out with these like old people. Um, And they have this big party with all their friends and uh, she gets in the middle of the party. Her friends become super concerned um, about her. And like, I thought this was a touching scene. Like I, I did feel my little a little bit of my feminist heart beating again because the women sort of pull her into the room and won't let her husband come in and sort of like, you know, counsel her that this, that this is very weird. The way you're being treated is very weird. And, <laughs> you yeah, know, they encourage her to go see that her original doctor that she was seeing before. Sabre yeah. Scene. Yeah. Um, but, and then she has a massive fight with Guy um and he um the pain stops so this like kind of this kind of like issue with the um the pain is over but at the same time a new kind of like issue is coming up their old friend hutch tries to give her this book on satanism um called all of them witches with the cryptic message their name is an anagram and um and he gets killed or he he dies under mysterious circumstances right he very quickly dies under mysterious circumstances and then rosemary this is when she really figures out you know at this point when he's dead and she looks at this book she ends up figuring out that um he's uh you know that he was trying to warn her they're all satanists i want to talk briefly about the character of hutch because did they hutch has a daughter right does do they mention that i don't know i don't recall i think that's part of the reason she felt comfortable with dr saperstein because i'm pretty sure that they say something like he delivered hutch's daughter's babies oh yeah maybe because for a minute in this rewatch, I was wondering if Hutch was like gay. Like I was like, oh, this old confirmed bachelor, <laughs> you know. But then, but then, but then you see a woman of some, like of some sort of lady friend is the one who gives her the mm-hmm. the book at the funeral, and mm-hmm. I think he mentions that he has a daughter. Anyway, no gay characters except for maybe at the party. Um, although they did they also did that thing that 60s movies do that's very funny you could tell it was the beginning of like putting some diversity in movies because they had that like one hot black woman at the party but (laughs) she's sort of a fun party it was a good scene a party scene I thought yeah it did look like a fun party for sure um Um, it's crazy to see like just how different things were too like when they're cleaning up the party and it's just like stamped out cigarette butts all over their apartment and shit (laughs) yeah it is always nice and like nostalgic for a time that i'll never i never have experienced and never will with people just smoking inside freely Mm -hmm. um but you know whatever Anyway, to make a long story short, she she figures out their Satanists right as she um, is, you know, uh, going into labor. And she tries to go back to Dr. Hill, her old doctor, to get help. But he calls her husband. He doesn't believe her. He, he yeah, I liked that scene, too. And it felt it was very relatable to me because it was almost like she was trying to, like, red pill the doctor, you know, like, be like, no, like 
they're all Satanists and they're trying to kill me or whatever, you know? And he's like, yeah. all right, lady, whatever, you know? Well, he, he pretends to believe her, but then, yeah, it turns out he calls her husband and they, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that it would go down like that today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you just start show up and start ranting about how like a coven of Satanists are trying to like, <laughs> I guess I feel like today there'd be like even it'd probably be even worse because there'd be even more bureaucratic layers would be yeah, my guess. Yeah. Like there would be like a social worker who comes in and she gets committed and like you know there'd be right. even more. They like... try to trans you or something. Be like, oh, maybe you just have gender dysphoria <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> You're having a trans baby, actually. Um, this is an early sign the baby might be trans. So we just, we need to quickly get you into a gender clinic. Um, so she has the baby at the back at the Bramford and they just tell her the baby is stillborn, but she doesn't really believe them. Uh, the old people are all keeping them uh keeping her really drugged and, but eventually she realizes the drugs are making her um, groggy. So she stops, um, she stops taking the drugs. Um, and then eventually she discovers the hidden door in the linen closet and goes into Minnie and Roman's apartment. And that's where she discovers her baby um, lying in the, black bassinet with the upside upside down cross over the crib and i guess the finals my read on the final scene and i i don't know you can tell me if you had a different read but my read on the final scene is that uh she kind of accepts her baby even though her baby's yeah that was that was my take too that she kind of comes around to just Oh, whatever. I'll raise the antichrist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She loves her baby and she decides to. Despite it's. <sighs> raise her, raise her baby. And eyes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. His scary eyes. It's, it's funny. Cause it's a very, it's a very anti-abortion message. I would argue. She also says at one point in the film, I'm not going to get an abortion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah remember that that was uh, one of her uh, like acting lines uh, <sighs> which i wondered if that was one. i wondered how many movies had like said that word before this in america probably not that many yeah, probably. um anyway okay so let's talk a little bit about revelation of the method mm-hmm. obviously this movie and like, I want to pull up the Hoffman quote. If you'll just give me a second. Yeah, no, I, I do remember he references the movie. I don't remember ex- what he says about it. Well, I want to pull up the quote to be as yeah. diligent as possible. Because I think I did. I think I did highlight it. I'm st- I feel like no matter how long I use the Kindle app, though, I, I can never figure out how to go back to my quotes but can, they're can in there you, somewhere um, search text search in the kindle yeah that's what i'm doing right now oh yeah um okay he mentions it a few times so here's the here's the one i'm thinking of though modern this so this is from michael hoffman's um industrial society secret and societies and psychological warfare 
Uh, I'll never say it right. Secret Society of Psychological Warfare. Okay, I'm going to read about three paragraphs. Modern people are fascinated with, with exposés of sex, violence, and Satanism, and fascination is itself a form of mind control if we recognize that oftentimes obsessive treatments of these themes under the guise of quote-unquote exposing them are the very means of inducing interest and involvement in the occult. People who never hear about Satanism, extreme violence, and extreme pornography are unlikely to become involved with Satanism, violence, and pornography. Those who fill their heads with morbid fascination with lurid media depictions of evil in the world under the pretense of putting an end to such evil are actually part of the process which precedes its wider acceptance. The film The Exorcist is instructive in this vein. Under the guise of exposing Satanism, it brutalized its audience with pornography in a powerful cult milieu. Roman Polanski's popular Hollywood film, Rosemary's Baby, was also represented from the vantage of supposedly exposing the danger of Satanism, but has accurately been called the best advertisement for Satanism ever made, an allegory of the birth of the demonic Ian. Polanski has himself been implicated in child molestation. It has also been alleged that he videotaped pornography involving children and animals for sale to a private network, possibly in association with Charles Manson, whose followers ritually sacrificed Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, and her unborn baby. Tate herself may have been involved in the occult, possibly the Process Church of the Final Judgment, a satanic group which Manson was also associated with. Um, Of course, no matter what her affiliation, Sharon Tate's murder was a heinous crime. It is interesting to note that while much is made of the murder of her unborn baby as being the most horrible part of the Manson gang's occult violence, women who pay physicians to kill their unborn babies are not regarded as guilty of any satanic act, heinous or otherwise. Was the sacrifice of Sharon Tate's unborn baby somehow a ritual precursor of the coming mass sacrifice of unborn children, which was subsequently legalized by the U.S. Supreme Court only a few years later? Um, So that's his... That's his, uh, that's his, that's his big, that's where he mentions it. Um, yeah, interesting. What do you think about, I mean, I guess it's like obvious. I don't know how much there is to say about it, but what do you think about that angle on this film? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it worked. I mean, once you see, I mean, connect it to Roman Polanski's own weird history with this stuff. And, um, and of course, naming the, that old man character after himself. I mean, I guess, I guess you said it was a book. I didn't realize that. So I guess maybe if that was just the character's name in the book, but that seemed like an interesting synchronicity, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. And just the fact that he's portraying it as, as we've talked about on here before that the classic Faustian bargain, right. Where the husband gets in on the Satanism thing, basically just to advance his career. And, um, and as soon as he, he agrees, I guess we, we don't see this happening on screen, but basically as soon as he agrees to impregnate his wife with Satan's child, um, the lead actor in the play for which he's the understudy mysteriously goes blind and then he's catapulted to success after that. So, <laughs> And it's interesting that he's like an actor. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, exactly. Trying to make it in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollywood being like the 
metaphorical Hollywood. They're, they don't yeah. literally live in Hollywood, but the metaphorical like movie stage business. Um, and that's what he sells, you know, his soul to the devil for is for success in Hollywood, <laughs> literally. And and the whole thing about Hollywood being like Hollywood itself, the name is like a reference to um, casting a spell, um, and which is like um, uh, like a wand made from the branch of a holly tree, which is like a you know a pagan thing was you know um so that's yeah that's in itself the origin of the term hollywood is like using a, a branch of a holly tree to cast a spell yeah this time watching it this is the first time i've watched it after i read mcgowan and read red hoffman and all of that and watching it now with all of that stuff in my head, it was incredibly difficult to not, um, you know, feel a lot of anxiety (laughs) as I watched it because, you know, it does feel like it's supposed to like kind of crack my brain open to uh, be more open to uh, satanic imagery and things like that. And I feel which is not good, but I feel like someone who's completely immersed in this is the type of stuff I've always liked to watch. I've always loved stuff about witches. I've always loved like, you know, true crime type stuff. So I feel immersed in like the violent kind of media world that he's talking about. I love horror movies. I love all that stuff. True crime. Um, True crime. I love true crime. Uh, so I'm constantly exposing myself <laughs> to to uh, satanic imagery, um, and I'm fascinated by it. And I think the movie makes it look fascinating um, and makes it look glamorous. And I think that um, the effect on the watcher is not to come away with a complete repulsion of satanic imagery and what it stands for, but to actually be a little bit glam, like to be a little bit glamorized by it. Yeah. Well, it it like immerses you in it. If nothing else, I mean, you know what I mean? You, you become familiar with the symbolism and you know, it sort of implants itself in your subconscious um, on one level and on another level too, it works um, to, make it seem uh, sort of implausible, right? That it's, oh, this is just a movie. You know, this isn't real life. This is just a film and it has nothing to do with anything in real life. You see that a lot with like tons of stuff like Stranger Things or um, like Stranger Things being an example of like um, kind of an MK Ultra kind of analogy, right? With these weird experiments on people and trying to give them psychic powers and whatever. But it's like, oh, well, you know, that that this is just a that didn't really happen. This is just a a TV show. And then or like another one being that uh, Black Mirror show where it's like they're kind of introducing these dystopian sci fi new world order type ideas under the guise of it being fiction, you know? Yeah, and it's. Yes, all of that is true. And they also don't show, like, these Satanists live 
in a beautiful building in New York City. And they're like, the stuff surrounding them is beautiful. And they chose a beautiful, famous actress to be raped by the devil (laughs) (laughs) and all these things, you know? So, and then like you, so you don't actually feel, you don't see them doing anything like that actually is associated with Satanism, which I don't think it would matter even if you did see it, because plenty of movies do show this, but they don't show like these people having to like dismember a body or like deal with like, um, you know, like really sick, twisted rituals. And I guess this will lead me to like the Marina Abramovich book. I was, I, I started reading her um, memoir because I guess I'm just like determined to make myself completely autistic and paranoid about Satanism. But, um, I read like, you know, a chapter of it. Um, and it was like so weird how how much it lined up with like the movie. Because first off, she starts by describing how poor Yugoslavia is, but her family was not poor. <laughs> they lived in a huge um apartment because they were Communist Party members. And just even in just the first chapter, there are so many things about the um her early life that feel just completely satanic. She talks about often being locked in a dark closet as punishment by her mother and talking to spirits. She has two separate long hospital stays and like, and one of them is sort of in a psychiatric institution. Um, She is abused as a child um seems to be sexualized early and it's just interesting to read all this stuff and have her become this like kind of like mega celebrity in the art world who even transcended the art world and is now weirdly involved in the political world yeah you know um and do like projecting occult imagery onto the population you know yeah, doing the spirit cooking dinners with the fucking Podestas and Clintons and shit. Yeah, look at the spirit cooking dinners because it's like they have these like actual live actors heads like poking out of the table and stuff. It looks really weird. It's weird as hell. And um, yeah, I liked KB had a tweet about about it. The recent there there was like a recent thing. I forget what it was like a, a email from Marina to one of the podestas being like hey let me know if your brother's coming to the dinner or whatever and he said one of the funny things about the podesta emails is how when arranging a satanic pedophilic orgy the emails are otherwise like any other dinner party invite looking forward to seeing you there no need to bring bring anything lots of love (laughs) marina xxx it's so true it's like who's bringing the the hors d'oeuvres um and i think that one day (laughs) kb's funny we need to have him back on um i think one thing that's uh where was i think one thing that you have to remember about this in case we sound like total schizos is that you know, you don't have to, and it's, it's, you know, this is just, just real quick aside. I think it's funny that we get compared because of me being gay to these like other 
gay podcasts. Like, just at, if you've made it to this point in the show, we talk about weird, like, think about everything we've talked about <laughs> up to this point. Like, if you still think that we're trying to be like red scare but gay, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that <laughs> you haven't actually listened to a single episode. Um, but anyway, I just, I was just thinking about that as a total aside, we're nothing like thought topics or whatever. Um, But um, you don't have to, you don't have to believe that there's a real spiritual. I mean, I do believe in a spiritual world. I think you do too. uh, I think we both, probably my belief is like a little bit stronger, but I think you believe this stuff is, is real in some sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't have to believe that this stuff is real to think of the, to, if if these powerful people believe it's real. Yeah, to, yeah. And that's that's the point I always try to make to people. Like, you don't have to even buy in to a spiritual world. You can be full atheist. There's nothing out there we don't, we can't perceive. I think you're naive if you think there's nothing out there you can't perceive. But, I mean, that's, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, and I think that, and that's kind of why I, bring up like I think there is kind of a materialist or however you want to call it kind of interpretation of all this for those who just can't make the bridge to like the spirit world or whatever but like that if nothing else it definitely sir functions as this kind of elite gatekeeping thing where and it's like the same thing with with like if you join the mafia right like you have to make your bones or i think that's the term where you have to kill somebody before you can join the mafia and it's it's similar to that it's like by engage by mutually engaging in these taboo practices it creates this in-group out-group distinction and um and i think to be in the highest levels of power in this world you have to be willing to engage in the unthinkable i really do believe that regardless of anything else like um people who are in positions of power and authority have all engaged in um in acts that the average member of the population would find deplorable, unthinkable, beyond the pale. Yeah. Definitely to be elevated to like the upper echelons because otherwise it's like what keeps them loyal to each other, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it it, it just, and, it, and and the way that they could so easily pull you know, the lever on someone. It's like why I'm like, so like kind of like laughing at like the Russell Brand stuff, because to be perfectly honest, like I believe Russell Brand has done stuff like way more heinous than what was described in that right. article. So like, <laughs> mo- like basically mild kind of sexual I- improprieties or whatever. Yeah. Right. I think he's actually done way worse shit. Well, he has um, like Satanist tattoos and shit. You know? I know. That's what I'm yeah. saying. So like, it, that's kind of, I mean, like to me, it's like people hear someone like uh, like people like us like rolling our eyes at the Russell Brand stuff mm-hmm. and it's like we're not saying we think Russell Brand is a good guy we actually think he's way worse yeah. than the stuff that he's being taken down for yeah. because he's being taken down for like you said like kind of like relatively mild minor sexual impropriety when I believe that someone like him has engaged in like the most heinous and deplorable acts like imaginable on the planet. So it's like, you know, uh, what he's being taken down for is a little bit laughable to me. 
Um, so it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> we think we think he's worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that is exact. I mean, I I think that's true, and it's like the same with the Roman Polanski stuff and his pedophile thing like i'm sure that wasn't the only time he did shit like that i'm sure he did way worse shit than that and it's like we only get this glimpse of what becomes public you know that's all that that we can see but well what he got exposed for is pretty bad i mean like anally raping of 13 year old yeah no don't condone that whatsoever. <laughs> um, I, I'm not saying he's a good guy or that's... No, I'm just saying it's like, it's pretty, it's worse than what Russell Brand, yeah. Brand is being accused of. Yeah. But I, um, yeah, no, he's no, certainly... Saying, I think it's a common theme, right? Like Clinton, Bill Clinton was taken down, I mean, so-called, whatever, taken down for getting a blowjob in the Oval Office. If you think that's the worst thing Bill Clinton ever did, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah, you're naive. I mean, it's also just, it's also just true. Yeah, that's not the worst thing Bill or Hillary Clinton ever did easily. Um, And where was I going with that? Something about. Oh, it's also true that if you're good, they'll sort of like reward you by letting you get away with it. They'll, they yeah. like let you do bad stuff. Like yeah. I was thinking about how like Seinfeld and like his day, like had like a high school, like a girlfriend who was like in high school. Yeah, he was, was dating like, a 17 year old. Yeah. Shoshana Lonstein, famous, famous he would, like, Jewish. Take her up from school. Yeah, famous Jewish American princess <laughs> who still has a big social media presence and is still rich as fuck. But um yeah, he like, you know, he would like pick his like child <laughs> bride up from <laughs> Nightingale Bamford, which is an elite <laughs> private school in New York City and drive. So it's like it's like if you're if you're in some way if you're like in, they like let you. They sort of let you. They're like you can rape a little. Just a little rape as a treat. <laughs> when you're a star they let you do it <laughs> it's you know i think this is again if someone's made it this far in this um the podcast i feel like we're now with i'm like safely with like the the true listeners but um the, the people who really are with us but um i i kind of think that the trump day <laughs> looking back is a little bit uh was was way overblown because i think that what he's saying in the tape is actually true and i don't think he's describing assault actually yeah no and i remember being so shocked by that not i mean to me it, it wasn't even like what he was saying was so horrible but just that hearing that out of the mouth of somebody who was like running for president like that was just totally unprecedented you know right but i kind of like i kind of like liked that about it even Mm -hmm. secretly at the time like i was like this is so funny in a way i mean maybe i didn't really feel that way at the time maybe i was i don't know what i felt but i can't remember how i felt who knows i don't know how i felt yesterday i don't know how i felt five minutes ago (laughs) but um i i definitely look back on it and think it's really funny that we have a president who's like audibly on tape saying grab him by the pussy um but I think what he's saying in that clip is actually is actually true, which is that when you're a rich and famous and powerful man, women will let you uh, do degrading things to them, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think is 
which I think is sad, but not false. Yeah. Well, it's even like the Russell Brand thing, like a 16 year old just Ubering to your house or whatever. I mean, you know, it's like. <laughs> I just thought it was funny when they were like, Trump admits to rape. And I was like, no, I think what he's saying is this like sad, depressing fact that if you're rich and you're powerful, people will let you do all sorts of things to them. And that's just like a sad, like reality. Right. But it's something that humans engage in. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Bill Clinton, yeah. bring it back to Bill blowing cigar smoke and uh, Monica Lewinsky's pussy. Well, first he put it in her pussy and then he smoked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's even crazier. But yeah, I mean, again, like Monica Lewinsky, an of age woman oh. who said that that was consensual. Like, again, it's like, yeah. you know. Um, Okay, I have something to show you. It has some nudity in it. Do you consent to seeing it? I consent. It's not a penis. Oh, well, there actually is one. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me, like, I'll take the penis. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I've seen a penis before. <laughs> I know, but I'll take it out for you. Do you know who that is? No. Who is it? While we were on the air, this picture of Joe Biden's brother just leaked across the internet. What? I didn't even know he had a brother. I didn't either. That's his brother. And he looks jacked. Of course, yeah, he looks great. And of course, gay Twitter is like, uh, is like loving it. But uh, his brother, was, I guess his brother, um, Frank Biden. Frank Biden. Um, is uh was found on a that picture which it, i'm now looking at the dick includes a, a a penis pic like it shows his penis uh was found on a gay dating site oh. so i just thought that was interesting breaking breaking you heard it here first folks <laughs> <laughs> cnn cnn breaking news um uh anyway it's like and he's a, he's now admitted to it hmm. um he says that he, his picture was on the gay dating <laughs> website. So that's the scandal. He's gay. Well, like you want to guess, guess what he's going with to say he's not gay. Uh, I don't know. He's going with the good old phone phone hack. <laughs> <laughs> his phone got hacked and they signed him up for a gay dating site yes they didn't take his they didn't take his credit cards none of that <laughs> they just signed him up for a gay dating site but i'm just like how is that a scam i mean like, it's not really a scandal joe I biden mean, I- invited his trans influencer to the white house or whatever yeah no one i mean i don't think anyone's like saying this is like a i don't think uh, probably mainstream media outlets won't even pick it up because yeah. a brother of a politician being on a gay dating website is not real, yeah. real news. <laughs> it's like not real news uh-huh. at this point in the history of America. I mean, I guess if he's like years. married or something, if he's like married to a woman, I guess that's, I think he is married scandal. to a woman. Yeah. Okay. So then that's, I guess that's the scandal, but it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a scandal. Yeah. Um, he said, I have, he says, I have absolutely no comment. I could care less. I haven't even looked at it. Frank said Monday morning when asked about the shot in his, at his Florida home, they must have hacked my phone. 
Anything that is a revealing picture of some kind is between Mindy and me. <laughs> Lord. I really don't want to start my day off this way, he said. Definitely didn't post it anywhere. That is so funny. I just think it's funny. Yeah. I mean, um, he's uh, he's absolutely jacked. He must be on steroids or TRT or whatever. Yeah. I wonder if his, like, excuse holds up. I'm... I, I haven't sent a sexy photo to my partner since very early in our relationship. So I don't know. I guess if you're traveling a lot, maybe that's still something that people do. Yeah. But I mean, it was, the photo was pretty like gay coded, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not something a woman. I also just, I also just, we've talked about this before. Like women don't really care about getting like a dick pic. Yeah. It's not that exciting for it's not yeah it's not titillating for them usually maybe sometimes but i mean even then there's a certain way of doing a dick pic that is more like erotic to a woman rather than to a man yeah exactly you're probably not flexing your biceps in the mirror Well, I guess that's all I really have for the docket this week. I hope that they figure out Israel. Yeah, I hope they work it out. (laughs) I hope, but I know I'm going to be wrong, that it's not some long drawn out proxy war. And I guess my suggestion to you, because I did some of that this weekend, would be to just get away from true crime and get away from the you know, the screens and the snuff videos and the Israeli soldiers peeing on Palestinian bodies and the Palestinian soldiers raping Israeli women and just stop looking at it all. And like, even if all you do is go for a one hour walk, like I encourage you to, to do it. Yeah. Go for a walk. Don't, phone free um and then yeah subscribe to our sub stack we have we're gonna be putting up we should say this, we just say this at the beginning we're gonna be putting up one episode it's gonna be premium premium each week or each month not each week um yeah and we'll talk to you guys soon bye all right peace